Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 63 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to briefly share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my only goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to this idea of putting other people first, of servant leadership and honoring God. Because what I know to be true beyond the shadow of a doubt is that when you do that, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because at the end of the day, all of us are called to be ministers in some form or fashion. And because of that, it is our obligation and responsibility that when we see a need in the world around us, we need to go out and fill that need to the very best of our ability. And that is in all walks of life. And we've seen this demonstrated by countless guests over the last year and a half of this program. Whether you're in the military, a business leader, a faith leader, a community leader, or even just a leader in your family, you can put other people first and show other people love. And last week in episode 62, I had the great pleasure of talking to Mr. Matt Michelet, and he demonstrated how he is getting after this concept of servant leadership, both through his role in NeuroFlow and his nonprofit with Action Tank. And he talked about all the blessings that he's received along the way, including becoming a Tillman Scholar, and now he's a student at the George W. Bush Foundation, and this is a program that's only 50 students per year and really exclusive uh, way to enhance and improve your education. And so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that if you didn't have a chance to be with us for episode 62. But for today, I'm going to share with you just a little bit about me that's relevant to today's guest. I have the great pleasure of living next to my best friend of 32 years. We went to high school together and we grew up together and we went to college in different places, but life brought us back together. So when I retired from the military, I had the opportunity to move 10 doors down the street from him. And now that we live close to each other again, we have a tradition of going away every Father's Day weekend for a retreat at Malvern. It's called the 6-3 retreat because it's in the sixth month, the third weekend for Father's Day. And when we went this past year, we had an opportunity to meet a gentleman, a very special man, and his name is Mr. Marty Rotella. And he was one of the speakers at this retreat. He is the founder and CEO of Spirit Music. He's a singer and a songwriter, and he's also a motivational speaker. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Marty Rotella. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Marty Rotella. Marty, first of all, thank you so very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program here today. Oh, my pleasure, Paul. Thanks for the invite. You're awesome. Well, Marty, like I mentioned in the introduction, uh, I had an opportunity to meet you at a recent men's retreat in Malvern, and I was really captivated by your heart for the Lord and just your passion for 
loving and serving other people. And so that's why I wanted to have you as a guest on the program. And mm-hmm. I think a really great place to start would be, you know, how did you get started in all of this? And you really seem to have a heart for servant leadership. What has brought about that perspective in your life? Well, my whole life, uh, if we go back to when I was 14, I became a professional singer and songwriter back in the age of 14. Uh, Professional means, you know, you get paid for it. So um, I was involved with movies and I did uh, from 14 to 24. uh, God wasn't really in my life. I was really looking at fame, fortune and money as my God. Mm -hmm. And it was working beautifully. I I sang in movies. I I started to write commercials. Uh, I was singing a national anthem, all the major teams in the New York area. Uh, And then I was offered a record contract to open for Bill Cosby in Vegas back in uh, uh, 1980, uh, December of 80, and I would have opened for him in six months. Uh, and the record contract read 2.2 million plus a house in Tahoe. Boy, a $3 million deal of 24 years old. I said, wow, this is awesome. I That's want a lot this. of money. Yeah. And that became my God. You know, I, my God was fame, fortune and money. And um, my lawyer, you know, he said to me, he said, look, if you do this, he said, you know, you're going to be involved with some some guys that aren't too cool, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, and I said, yeah, and I said, well, you know, if you sign this contract, you got to be careful. So I said, OK, um, tell me more. He said, well, he said, you know, th- you'd have to do things you don't want to do. I said, like, yeah. what would you write music for? pornography, X-rated films. I said, I won't do that. Disrespects women. So, well, you know, you're going to have to because uh, they own the companies. I said, what if I don't? I was a wise guy. So um, they said, well, they'll never harm you. But if you don't do what they say, they could harm your loved ones. And I said, wow, this is crazy, man. What? So I had to make a decision. You know, I had the devil on one shoulder, I had the angel on the other shoulder, you know, you know, sign, sign, don't sign. And um, the night before the signing, I went home. I talked to my dad. My dad was my, you know, inspiration. And he said, look, son, I didn't fight in World War II for anybody to own me. So uh, you got to make a decision. I'll back you no matter what. And then my mother ran in and she ran in and she said, I've been praying for you your whole life. And I said, yeah. You know, she said, well, I said, what was your prayer? So she said, I said, Jesus, protect my son. Four words. Wow. She, she said, you were 14. You were going to discos and bars. And she goes, here I am praying four words every night for you. And, you know, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, you did that for me? You know, like her cooking was awesome. You know, like, come on, you're the best cook. But, man, this is the best gift you ever gave me. So I just took that to heart. And I and I said, you know, I'm not going to sign this right now. So I went to the signing the next day. And, boy, did I got up and said, I don't think I'm going to sign. It was at a restaurant where we were eating. And they got so mad. They picked up the table and threw all the food onto me and my agent and my manager. They walked out cursing me out. And I said, wow, I made the right move. And then I went home and said, well, what do I do now? But I, my mother's prayer kicked in. Jesus protect my son. Uh-huh. And I'm saying, maybe he's protecting me. I better find out about this guy because I don't know about him. <laughs> and I bought a Bible. And when I bought the Bible and I read the four Gospels, I fell in love with him. Yeah. So from there, I said, wow, what does he represent? And what he represents is two big things in my life. Love God with your whole mind, body and soul love your neighbor as yourself and that's where i said i want that and i want to give that so that was the beginning of my journey wow that is really really something and so this was 24 years old right you said when this happened 24 24 and so at 24 when you made this decision what what was the next step how did you start to unpack that well the thing is is that I'm a, I, I like history. So I said, let, let me look historically what f- faith I want to follow, you know, and I've just read about Jesus. And I said, I, I want to learn about this Christianity and everything else. And historically, from Adam and Eve till now, the Jewish faith is still going on. I thought that was interesting. Uh-huh. But then the other one was Christianity. But what's the difference? Jesus. And I just fell in love with him. And I love this whole thing that he loves everybody you know like he's unconditional love yeah i want that i want that so that's why i came back and when i came back it was so easy because i gave him my life i said i give you my life you know i remember when my son was born i had my son right in the middle of my palm of my hand and i said i give you to him you know yeah so the key here is is that um I, i i gave him my life and from that moment songs started to come they just came so I said to myself, hmm, 
um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but these songs are coming. You know, these songs are coming. What am I going to do? Um, and I said, this is too good. This is this is happening. I don't want to write any of them. Since then till now, I've written over 4,300 songs and I write about 100 a year and I don't, not wow. one of them I write. They kind of come from from God's love. So um, that was the journey now. And then, and I said, I knew I have to get on board. Then I knew I had to bring it to the world. So, you know, that's, that's how it all started. So 4,300 songs over, I, I'm not gonna make you tell me your age, but how long has your career been so far? Well, so far, uh, my career started at 14 when I was, you know, if you look at it that way. So, so with, I'm, you know, I'm 66. So you're talking 50 years. Wow. But the key here is, is that for, uh, the ministry is 42 years. I've been, I've been doing the mission, the ministry work for 42 years. So uh, either way, it's been quite a journey, you know. And so I remember when we were at the retreat, you had a very unique panache about you. And the way that you were getting men that seemed to be a little slumping in their chairs and kind of lethargic, really getting them pumped up with your music and your love for God. And I really like the title that you have for all of your music. You call it Spirit Power. Where, mm. where did that come from? What was the genesis of that? Well, um, I was going to prayer every night at midnight, midnight to one o'clock for four years straight. I didn't miss any night for four years straight. And I sat there and I had pen and, and paper and I would write whatever the Holy Spirit was leading in my life, whether it was a song, whether it was a teaching. It was powerful, powerful mm -hmm. four years of my life. Uh, one night I'm sitting there and this song is coming. It goes like this. Spirit, be my wisdom, be my words, lift me up. Spirit, grow inside me, keep me yours, help me love. And I went, whoa, that's awesome. I love it. And I fell in love with the song and I'm going crazy. Um, the next night I go, I get a song called Power. The power, the power within. The power of God becomes my power within. And I said, this is awesome. I mean, spirit and power and they're uplifting, you know, because I was into groups like Earth, Wind and Fire in mm -hmm. Chicago. Those are my groups. And I'm saying, man, this is like, this is power just like that. This is awesome. And then I heard in my heart, you know, never hear. I hear in my heart. I hear that's the ministry now. Spirit, power. And that's how I got it. So so now I've been doing that for what, 40 years, spirit, power. And um, it's a matter of just bringing to the world a message of teaching a message of uh stories like parables that jesus gave and a message of music which put them all together which has grown you know between the prison ministry between working with gangs you know between you know doing benefit concerts you, you put it all together and all of a sudden so wow this spirit power thing is is pretty awesome i try to be very different than other uh motivational speakers i try to add music stories, teaching, interaction. I throw questions out. Mm -hmm. So that's a real powerful thing, I think, because I was a school teacher for 31 years. There was no money in this music yeah. world at that point. I had to support my family. Uh, so that was a blessing because I, I taught seventh grade, 13-year-olds <laughs> mm -hmm. for 31 years. And you're on stage, you know, yeah. eight times a day yeah. with the toughest audience in the world, you know, a bunch of hecklers. <laughs> so it was great. It was a great journey. So that's where Spirit Power came from. And so has anybody ever commented to you about what the idea of spirit power means to them? Like, I, I got to believe in the same way that your vibe was kind of being caught in the room when you're in front of other audiences. You, you mentioned prisons and other large audiences. Like, do they resonate? Do they pick up on your feeling of this spirit power? How does that affect other people? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because the whole deal here is I give the same vibe no matter what the audience is. Mm -hmm. For instance, if I'm in a prison, for instance, if I'm in front of kindergarten kids at a school, mm -hmm. if I'm in front of teens, if I'm in front of um, executives. So no matter what I'm called into, I stay the same. I'm very street. And in being very street, it's almost like any audience is open, women, men, you know, uh, older women, older men, younger people, it, it's open. The only audience that I have a little inkling, uh, it's not fear, but a little anxiety are the teens 
because mm. a lot of times the teens don't want to be there. They're yeah. asked by the school or the parents or the church right. to be there. So you have to break that. It takes maybe 20 minutes to break it. And then they feel you're real. That's the word. When I went into prison for the first time, they said to me, you better be real. Mm -hmm. So I went to prayer. I said to the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Real. And all I heard, these are the words I heard. Tell everybody you love them. And if you notice when you were there that day, the first thing I said was, I, I love, love you. you. I remember that. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's it's true because that's what Jesus would do, first of all. But second of all, we're missing that. That's what's missing in the world. So if you start and be real and say, I love you, that kind of breaks a lot of barriers. And then people's ears open up. They become like African elephant ears, bigger, and they'll hear your message. Yeah. yeah. So thinking about telling people that you love them, what is their response? Do people reject that or do they feel like, you know what, I can really understand and accept Marty because I do feel that love from him. Are, have you seen transformation in the people that you're working with because of that love? Yeah. Well, you know, if you think about this uh, in scripture, it says um, the Ten Commandments are actually um, written on your heart. So, so you yearn for love. You don't even know that mm -hmm. because God lives inside of you. He created you and you're yearning for him, but we don't know what we're yearning for. So that's why we go to drugs and sex sure. and all this other stuff. Well, the key here is, is that we're yearning for that love. And if you say, I love you, 98% of the people accept it. Now there might be like a, a reaction like this, you know, yeah. first, yeah. but, but that's, what's missing. So when they get that, it's like, well, is that real or not? And yeah, it's real. You know, they're not saying it, but it kind of so so it incorporates God that's already in their heart, that's already loved them to life, that's already you're yearning for. So it's like, wow, this is something nobody's ever said that to me. You know, I would say 80% of the people in prisons, um, they they're there because a father figure never said, I love you. Yeah. It's so simple. It's, true. it's so simple. And, and it's a simple thing. I love you. Three words. You know, it's hard to say. A lot of people have a hard time saying it. But the key here is, is I say it to everybody. Now, it's not fanatical. A lot of people say, well, that's a little fanatical. No, it's not. Because what I'll do is I'll say, hey, what's your name? I don't go right away and say, I love you. Hey, my name is Paul. My name is Marty. Oh, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. Oh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Why are you interested? I don't know. We just met, you know. And that's what I do. I, I, you know, and all of a sudden that breaks, that's, that's love. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you can say, you know, somewhere, you know, by the way, man, I'm going to pray for you every night. You know, you're, we're new friends. I love you, man. I love you. And that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of loving people to me, when I think about that, that is very much the heart of servant leadership. I, I kind of view that as putting other people ahead of yourself, whether it be in a work situation, in a church situation, even something as simple as in your family, right? Like you can say all day long that you love your spouse or, you know, that you love the people in your church, but what are you doing to actually show that? What are you doing to actually get after that and put those people ahead of you to really, yeah. you know, show that kind of sacrificial love that God gives to us? I said, that's it. You know, I have this little saying, um, uh, step by step, day by day. Mm -hmm plant the seed get out of the way now what does that mean see the seed that's planted is i love you mm -hmm. now get out of the way mm -hmm. let god take over from the i love you so you're being his love by saying i love you yeah. now get out of the way and let the holy spirit do it you know so so that's a very powerful uh, way to be it makes it simple too you know we're so complicated oh what what can i do did i say the right words mm -hmm. did i do the right thing don't put so much pressure on yourself yeah give it back to god say god take over yeah yeah well marty i gotta tell you so i'm involved in a lot of different things but one of my favorite things i get to do i teach a class once a week for drexel university as an adjunct professor oh beautiful and so i had my first class this term uh, just a few days ago and i went in and i didn't use the same exact technique as you i didn't use the words i love you but what I did say is I, I opened the class with, you know, here's who I am. Here's my background because I want you to understand the lens through which I view the world. Right? right. And my very first thing that I told them was you may have caught it in my title. Right. Of reverend. Like I'm a minister. And because of that, I view the world through the lens of faith. 
and not just faith, but also hope and love. And so I tend to have a very caring and compassionate heart in interacting with people and how I view the world and all like that. And then I said to them, all right, so I've told you a little bit about me, but now I want to know about you. And so I asked them a few questions about, you know, what your interests are and things of that nature. And then I said, all right, well, the last thing you have to tell me is how can I serve you? And you should have seen the looks on their face because they're like, what do you mean? How can you serve me? Like, I never heard a prof ask me that, right? Normally it's just, here's the syllabus. Here's what you're going to do. Open your books to page 22 and, you know, we're going to start here. And then the prof just gets up and drones on for two, three hours in a lecture format. I said, in this class, we're never going to have a lecture. We're going to have a conversation. That's beautiful. And That's beautiful. The last thing I said to him was, listen, you know, I get that right now you might be a little bit skeptical of this guy's just, he, he, he can't possibly be meaning what he says, right? I, I, I don't necessarily believe that this guy is authentic. And I said, hey, listen, the proof is in the pudding, right? So I get that it's going to take a few weeks of interacting with me before you see that I'm authentic and I mean what I say. But you're free to go back and talk to other students that have taken this class. And they'll tell you, like, I mean what I say. And I try to be very genuine, very authentic. And I'm going to do my very best, not just to stand up here and be a talking head, but to truly care for you and put your needs ahead of mine. And I said, oh, by the way, before this class ever even started, I prayed for every single one of you. I pulled up your class roster pictures and I prayed for every one of you. To me, that's love. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You didn't actually say the word. I love you. But, you know, that's love. That's a key. There was there was this young boy. I was in Santa Fe, uh, uh, New Mexico, and I was shopping at Trader Joe's. I'm coming out into the parking lot. It's nighttime. And all of a sudden I see this shadow coming toward me. And I said, oh, I better put these bags on and be ready for whatever's going to happen. It was a homeless boy. He was about 22 years old. Yeah. He said, hey, he said, uh, you got some money. I'm hungry. I said, uh, I said, well, I said, first of all, I said, um, uh, what's your name? He goes, what? I said, why would I give you money? You're not even my friend. I don't even know you. I said, but I like to know you first. What's your name? He goes, uh, Cody. I said, Cody, nice to meet you. I said, nice to meet you. I'm Marty. I said, tell me something about you. What? Tell me. Nobody's ever said that. I said, tell me something about you. I care. And he tells me how his mother was a, a drug addict and he was on the street since he was three years old with his sister and he had to survive and He's trying to go to school now to get his GED and he's going through this whole thing. And I'm going, that's awesome. Now we're friends. Now you're hungry. He goes, yeah, let's go. And we went to the restaurant right there and I bought him dinner. And we spent two hours sitting there and talking. I didn't say I love you, but that was love. Yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about. It's pretty powerful. Uh, My favorite place is an elevator. Because once the elevator doors close, captive audience, captive audience, man, it's all and they can't go anywhere. So I say, hey, my name is Marty. What's your name? Like, what? You know, and all of a sudden you start talking and say, hey, thanks. That was like the doors open. Thanks for 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 noticing me, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, Marty, I'm I'm curious that your vibe is very authentic. It was very clear in the first two minutes of meeting you before you ever even got up and started talking. You came over and you introduced yourself to me and my friend that were sitting down at the retreat. And you just had a spirit of love about you. And I, I knew like right then I said to my friend, I was like, I got to have this guy on the show. <laughs> oh gosh! And I didn't even know, well, they hadn't even announced that you were going to be a speaker, but I could tell from your vibe that you were going to be one of the speakers. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, having done this for the last, you said, since you were 24, 42 years in ministry. 42 years of ministry, what's been the biggest blessing that you've gotten from living in this way of really just showing love to other people? The key is, is to hear or feel the love back. Mm. Because if I just give it and, you know, people are out there, well, you know, that's nice or whatever. But when it, when I get an email, when I get something, say, uh, I, did a, I did a father and daughter retreat a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And when I gave the retreat, I got an email the next day and the father was so excited because his daughter was a very shy, introverted person. 
And because of the retreat, which, you know, I ask questions and mm-hmm. then I let you talk about them. And then we talk, which is really powerful. You know, like you said, you allow the students to be a part of it, not just somebody speaking. Yeah. When I did that, he said she came out of she came out and she was so excited. She said, this was so good because I got a chance to come out, you know? Mm. Uh, so that's powerful. And and that's why I do it. And that's why I, I love this because I see coming back the, uh, the Holy Spirit touching them in all different ways. Yes. So many different ways. And, you know, we learn so much when you throw the question out, for instance, the question is, who is God? And you throw it out. You get so many great answers that I'm not just teaching, I'm learning. And everybody else in the room is learning because each person, let's say there are 20 answers for who is God. And all of a sudden you never heard that answer. And you said, wow, I can meditate on that tonight. So it becomes a giant classroom, not a person teaching, but everybody teaching. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. So Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I had been reading a book on how to be a better preacher. And I had, was reading this book while I was at the retreat because retreat is a great time for just quiet and reflection and growing and all of that. And as I was reading this book and then I'm watching you, I was like, man, this guy is doing every single thing that's in this book. Oh my you gosh. had story, you had imagery, you had metaphor, you had questions. I was like, man, this guy is spot on. This is exactly what the book is talking about. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. My book is the Bible, of course, you know, but actually the uh, the book is the silence with God. The more I'm silent with him and I close my eyes and I have the paper and pen, the more he gives me so I can be the best maybe teacher or I can be the best like uh, Marty that I can possibly be, not in, in my humanness, but in my connection with the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. So in your 42 years of ministering, you said you've produced over 4,300 songs. Do you have a favorite one? Do you have one that really just resonates in your heart? Maybe you're in the shower and that's the one you sing all the time. Well, you know, it, it's um, the 4,300 songs I didn't produce. I've wrote, written, written. I've okay. produced maybe a few hundred. Um, but the thing here is, is that there are many, many songs that are powerful. That's wow, wow, wow. But there is one song, As I Grew, I Waited. And it goes with the top we're talking about, love, that... As I grew, I waited for the words, I love you. As I grew, I waited for the words, I'm proud of you. Mm. Really. And that's my favorite song in the fact that it was very personal. A lot of songs are about God. A lot of songs are about relationships. But this was personal. And that's what I I was always looking for, the love. Mm-hmm. You know, my father was from World War II. Great guy. He was mm-hmm. awesome. But he had a hard time saying, I love you. Yeah. And And I wanted that. I wanted that. So when I became a father. I made sure my son was born. I was, I, I was holding him in my hand. He still had the umbilical cord attached to, <laughs> to the uterus and, and to the placenta. And I'm like, I love you. I love you because I didn't receive it. I wanted him to make him do it. So when he was a teenager, I used to hug him on the streets. You know, all mm-hmm. his friends were like, wow, your father, you, you guys have a really, I love you. I love your dad. I love your son. And they were like, I wish I had that. And that's, <clears throat> I think that's a key. People wish they had that. Yeah. And the father and the mothers are representations of God himself. So. Yeah. yeah. You know, I could not agree with you more. And I've got two teenage kids of my own and my son's getting ready to go off to college and my daughter's entering high school. And to me, the most important things that I can tell them is just like you said, one, I love you. And two, I'm proud of you. It means a whole lot to them to hear I'm those words. You. Exactly. I'm proud of you. And interestingly, it, it almost seems like my daughter wants to hear the words, I love you more, and my son, the proud. Isn't that something? Maybe that's, you know, a, a gender thing, but they both like to hear both statements. But my son, like, is always, always, always looking to make his father proud. And wow. young ladies, like, they need to feel loved, right? Yeah. And when they don't get that love from their father, that's when they go and seek it from young men outside of the home, right? And like, exactly. that's, that's not what you want. Exactly. Number one uh, answer to the question, what is love, teenage girls and college age girls, is compassion Mm. all around the country. So that's the word with passion. They're looking. And that's a deep word, man, that the the young girls are looking for compassion. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. So we talked about your songs and you mentioned that you do some speaking. Has there been anything that was really challenging for you? As a speaker, you said it was difficult for you being in front of 
teens. Was that the hardest thing that you've had to do as a speaker is be in front of those teens? Hmm. Yeah, teens is always a little bit of anxiety because like I said before, they didn't pick to come most of the times. Yeah. They were told to come. So that's just a little, and, and I have to then make them feel loved and comfortable from the beginning so they would listen. Right. That's first of all. So there are two other things. Um, uh, one time I was called in to do uh, executives uh, and 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 politicians. Wow. I had to give a retreat. 400 people was like, and I had to give this talk. And it was almost like, why am I giving them a talk? You know, these are politicians yeah. and, and educated people. Uh, also, Los Alamos, New Mexico, where the nuclear scientists, they asked for me to come in and give a retreat to them and their wives. Me? Give a retreat to nuclear scientists? You know, so, but but I realized that the street part of me, the street is accepted to these people that I'm a little nervous about going in, uh -huh. but they're accepting it. They want it. Uh -huh. um, prison. My first time in prison was a little, you know, you know, how do I do this? And all I heard in my heart was because the boy came up to me and said, hey, you better be real. And I went to the Holy Spirit. I said, so how do I do it? Just tell him you love him. Yeah. And I do. That's how I start. I love you. And boy, I had no problem now, you know, going and doing that with any audience. Yeah. So. If people that are listening, if they want to hear your music or they want to get you to come and speak at their event, how do they learn more about Marty? Okay, so the website is spiritpowermusic.org. All right. If you go there, you can just about do anything. You can ask for me to go somewhere. You can look at the music, hear the music, whatever. Spiritpowermusic.org. Also, my music is out there on all the uh, different uh platforms of itunes and cd baby and spotify so if you want to look and buy a song there or do whatever you can connect there um so i and i also recommend people once they go to my website and if they're interested and they want to know more or they want to talk to me or whatever uh to just just write in and i'll get i'll get back to you because um i think it's very important that after they see or hear something like this if they have a question or if they have you know some type of interest that i can actually be a part of uh uh, of, of joining them on their journey yeah that's awesome and i gotta tell you uh when we were at the retreat at malvern recently together before you had mentioned that you know i just saw your cds sitting on the table and i didn't have access to a cd player like that's not something commonly used anymore right it's not even in cars anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i went back to my room during a break and there was only a couple places on campus where you can get a signal. So I'm sitting by the window and I'm trying to get a signal and I pulled it up on iTunes and I just sat there. It was the most peaceful music. Like I just sat there for an hour just listening to your music. Oh, wow. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, when we produce something, it, it, it depends on what the Holy Spirit's leading us. We have a CD called Spirit Power, the first one named after you know this whole journey. And it's all upbeat music. It's all very charismatic. But then the last thing we just did, Be Still, <clears throat> the whole CD is a retreat. It's very, you know, Be Still. I wrote the songs during, my brother and I wrote the songs during the pandemic. And it's very, very retreat oriented where you just, you, you go into yourself, be still, place to wait, the desert, you know, and, and really uh, rejuvenate, you know, from the inside out. So uh, we have so many different venues and, and, and types of music. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, That's awesome. Thank you. Well, Marty, we only got about a minute left. So last question okay. I want to ask you. If there's somebody that's listening today and maybe they have a passion for music or maybe they feel like they have something inside them that they want to share, but they feel very introverted and they feel like I, I couldn't possibly do what Marty does. I, I couldn't possibly get in front of people. And I, I don't know if what I have to give has value. People don't want to hear my songs. What would you say to somebody like that, that, you know, God has really put something in their heart, but they're afraid to let it out. Okay. That's a good question because I actually had that question recently at a retreat, young boy. Um, the key here is, is to, again, be still. And then you talk to God in your heart, be still and talk to God, the Holy Spirit and say, look, I think I have a talent here and I don't have the talent. It's been given to me. Yeah. So show me the talent more. Show me what to do with it. Give me the, the attitudes and the personality to bring it. If I'm to bring it to the world, maybe you're not, so maybe you're supposed to just write songs mm -hmm. and other people can record them. So, so the key is show me my talent and then let me then go with it. Whether it's, let's say with music, 
writing a song and let other people sing it, writing a song and me going out and singing it, writing a song and me using it in retreat. So whatever that is, uh, my son's a sculptor. So maybe you, your, your talent is in sculpting. Maybe your talent is just in computers, whatever it is, but allow him to move you in that direction. See, we don't, we don't really allow God to show us. Right. We try to say, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. and, and my father did this and I did this. And I, you know, my teacher told me this. How about allowing him to show you, here we go yep. and, and take your time and do it. Yeah. Marty, that is so awesome. And I, I want to thank you so much for sharing your heart and your passion for music and speaking to others and your primary message of loving God and loving other people. It could not be more simple and more powerful than that. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Hey, my pleasure, Paul. Thank you. And keep it simple. I like that. Keep Amen. it simple. Amen. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. So stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from today's special guest, Mr. Marty Rotella. You know, this man led off with a really powerful story. And I find it absolutely incredible and powerful that he, at a very young age of 24, had the courage to walk away from a $3 million deal simply because he prayed, and more importantly, his mother was praying for him. He said that his mother used the words, Jesus, protect my son. And he made a decision to live a life of serving other people, of loving other people, rather than fame and fortune. Now, when faced with the same decision, how many of us would do what Marty has done? How many of us would choose a life where you're spending all of your time, all of your energy, pouring into other people instead of maybe being weighted on hand and foot and having every luxury and comfort that a person can have. What an incredible story Marty has. And I think there is so much that we can learn from that. He chose to put other people ahead of himself. And when I asked him what the greatest blessing is that he receives from this, he said it's when you hear or you feel the love back. And I was so moved by his story about the homeless person. A lot of us get approached on the street, maybe as we're walking or driving, by homeless people that are asking for money. And there's always this question in the back of your mind. Well, if I give this person money, are they going to use it for food? Or are they going to use it for something else, like drugs or something like that? And so, because of this question that's in our minds, a lot of us just say, well, I, I, I'm not gonna give. There's, there's programs, there's this, there's that. I, I, I'm not gonna give, I can't be bothered. Marty went a completely different direction. And instead of just giving a person money right off the bat, he asked them their name and he asked them their story. And then he showed that person love and took the person to dinner. What an impact that he had on that person. Think about the long-term implication that could have on that person because now maybe that person has hope. Now maybe that person's going to say, you know what? If Marty loves me, 
Maybe there's other people in the world that can love me as well. Maybe I can do something. Maybe I do have a gift that God has given me. Maybe I do have a calling. So I wonder what can each one of us do to show that kind of love to other people? Maybe it is for the homeless person on the street. Maybe we can take a few minutes the next time we see a homeless person and go and buy them a meal at a local eatery. Or maybe we ask them their story, just spend a little bit of time asking them their story and finding out about them and truly showing them love. Or maybe it's just in the person that you meet in the elevator, like Marty was talking about. And when you have that captive audience, turn to the person next to you, ask them their name, understand who they are, and really show a genuine interest in that person. Show them love. Marty made the point that he uses the phrase quite often, I love you, when he meets somebody because he wants to help take their defenses down. Maybe you're not comfortable with that, but you can still show love because actions speak louder than words. So I'd encourage us, I'd challenge all of us to do that in our daily lives. And the last thing that I want to talk about, when I asked Marty what encouragement he would have to people that are looking to find their voice, that are having challenges with believing in themselves. His recommendation was to be still. And I asked him also about his favorite album. And he was talking about, as I grew, I waited. And just this idea of having silence with God. So maybe if we want to grow as servant leaders, if we want to grow in being able to help each other, maybe what we need to do is to just be still. In the same way that I had an opportunity to go with my friend to retreat this past weekend for Father's Day and be still. Could you take an opportunity in your life, maybe during this upcoming 4th of July holiday weekend, or maybe, I don't know, in an evening or in a morning, can you take some time to be still and be intentional about thinking about what are the gifts that God has given you? How can you use those gifts to love and serve other people? Definitely something for us to think about and work on this week. But you know, I always like to talk to you about when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you, and yet again, God is faithful. So about 10 years ago, my family and I had an opportunity to travel to Japan as part of my military career. We were assigned there for a period of three years. And while we were there, we met another family that was also stationed there, and their name was the Merchants. And they left a year before us in 2014, and we left the year after in 2015. And we had an opportunity to go visit them in Okinawa um, while they were there, after they left Japan. And then it was quite some time since we had seen them again. It was maybe three or four years since we saw them again. And they came to visit us at our um, present house in New Jersey. But the real blessing, the real blessing is that just this past week, they were coming back from their previous uh, assignment in Korea and they were transitioning to Germany. And they come back to the United States to bring their uh, daughters to school. And while they were here, they were very intentional about wanting to stop and spend some time with us. And so I had an opportunity to have them in our home for a period of three, four days and really just fellowship with them and continue to grow in relationship and be able to bless their family in a lot of different ways. And so for me, the blessing is having that relationship continue for a period of 10 years, 10 years, with very significant gaps of time in between. And the reason that can take place is because there's continued conversation on things like Facebook and messaging and phone calls and all like that. And still, this idea of putting other people's needs first, 
because there's been times that they need help. There's been times that we need help. And as friends, that you're supposed to be there to help other people. And it doesn't matter how far you are apart. This is the 21st century. It doesn't matter if you're separated by a block or a thousand miles. You can still find a way to help other people. And so I'd encourage you today that maybe you have a friend that you haven't spoken to in some time. Maybe you have a friend that lives far away. I'd encourage you to reach out to them, maybe invite them to your home, because it is such a blessing to be able to connect with people that you haven't seen in a long time. Well, listen, for next week, another incredible special guest and in honor of the 4th of July holiday weekend, we're going to be having on the show Mr. Jerry Tempesta. Jerry is a Vietnam War veteran. He was nominated for the Medal of Honor, and he's a nephew of a World War II hero whose picture is at the Fort Knox headquarters building that's named after him. Jerry was supposed to be our guest for this past week, but we had some scheduling things. So Jerry's going to be on next week and it's going to be great because it's in line with 4th of July. So really excited to have him on. But for now, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never felt me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my
Feeling your hands, this is my car. 